Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? I bring you warm greetings from Dallas, Texas, because it literally is warm, y'all. It's 90 degrees there. I need it to be like here, a good 60 in the 50s. I'm originally from uh, the Midwest, so I enjoy a real fall and not the fake falls we have in Texas. All right, we are finishing up our Dealing with Disappointment series. I mean, when I think about my years in ministry, the Lord has blessed me with one of my favorite things are the conversations that I've had with people. And I've had plenty of conversations with people about their disappointment. And I think about those conversations and they really fall into two different categories. There are people who maybe it was health issues or financial issues and life just wasn't what they wanted it to be. It could have been something small or it could have been something big. But in our conversation, I realized this person is really trying to show up for life. They're trying to thrive. They're trying to push past it. They're not ignoring it. They're dealing with it, and they're pushing through. But there's another group of people that I would talk to. And these folks weren't trying to make it past their disappointment. They were stuck in it. They were replaying the tape over and over and over again. I know many of you, it's been true for my own life, that we carry disappointment for long seasons. So this isn't saying that someone should get over what they're dealing with within a month, with even a year or a few years. But there are those that, man, it's the same thing. And what is hard about that is that I believe our lives have so much potential that even in the midst of our disappointment, we can still experience joy and show up on mission for the people around us. But what disappointment will do is if we get stuck in that place, we won't experience joy. We won't show up for others, and we miss what God readily has available to us through Jesus. And so today, I want to talk about what it looks like for us to move forward in disappointment. And the person who I want to be our guide for this journey is Joshua. So you can turn in your Bibles or scroll on your phones to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 9. As you are turning there, I want to tell you a little bit about Joshua. Joshua makes his appearance on the scene in the book of Exodus. He was a slave in Egypt with the nation of Israel. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through Moses, delivered him and hundreds of thousands of people into freedom. You see Joshua become Moses' right-hand guy and serves him in the wilderness for 40 years. Just think about that. Someone that you have served alongside for four decades. And at the very moment that Israel is supposed to cross over the Jordan River, this is an epic moment in their history. Moses dies. That Joshua, his friend and his mentor, is no longer with him. But what God gives him, because really these are words that God says to Joshua in these first nine verses, I think holds insight for us in terms of what does it look like in seasons of disappointment? How do we not get stuck, but how do we thrive and how do we move forward? And what I believe we will see is that to move forward in our disappointment means that we lament the pain. We remember God's character and our purpose and we live with courage. 
Again, we lament the pain, we remember God's character and our purpose, and we live with courage. Let's jump in. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. If you are anything like me, as you read through Scripture, you tend to ask questions about things that seem a little odd. And I remember the first time I read this, and in all honesty, I was like, man, that sounds a little insensitive, God. It's like, Moses died. I'm going to need you to get on with your life. I'm going to need you to just move on. But that's not what he's doing. If we were to turn to, and you don't have to, Deuteronomy, just a chapter before in 34, we will see that Israel mourned 30 days for Moses. Then this moment of grief, this moment of pain, this moment of massive disappointment, they didn't just stuff it down. They didn't just ignore it. They didn't just say it's not a big deal or I'm just going to get over it. They gave time to their grief and pain. But here's what's true. You will do something with your pain. We live in a culture that tells us that we can just numb our feelings with all the things and when I think about that, I think about one of Texas's greatest blessings to the world, and that is Bluebell ice cream. I, again, moved to Texas from Dallas, and I wasn't a believer. Like, Texas are really, really passionate about this. And then I had some, and y'all, it's good. It's so good that when life isn't going well for Elizabeth, sometimes I find myself in Target, my favorite place. I know it's no one else's favorite place. And I find myself in the frozen food aisle, and suddenly this pint of Rocky Road Bluebell appears in my hand. Don't know how it got there, but since it is there, I'm gonna buy it and eat it. <laughs> but y'all know, as good as ice cream is, it's really not gonna solve our problems. Um, and that's a light decision of comfort that we turn to to deal with the pain. But we all know other habits that people have formed to deal with the things where the pain is too great to bear. Or maybe it's not comfort for you, something that you use to soothe your soul. Maybe it's control. That if you can just line up everything, if everything can be the way you want it to be, if you can kind of create this safe space for yourself, then nothing is going to go wrong. You control your life and you control the lives of the people around you. But if the past few years have shown us anything, we are not in control. And living with someone who loves to do that is not a lot of fun. I know that's nobody in here, but we all know people who, man, they just love control just a little too much. Because the reality is, if we don't transform our pain through the gospel, we will transmit it to other people. That we are interconnected. How you show up in the world affects me, affects the people around you. And if you do not choose to transform your pain through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will transmit it to people in ways that are not helpful, but harmful. And so what do we see in Scripture? What do we see with Joshua? What they show us, Joshua and the nation of Israel, is the first step that we need to take to move forward in our pain is to lament it. What is lament? Lament is a prayer, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, that when we look in the book of Psalms, 60 out of 150 of them 
are psalms of lament. 40%. What does that tell us? That God's people deal with pain. And the way that they deal with pain is through lament. So when you think about lament, I think about it in three simple movements. In a prayer that you can either say to God, you can journal out, you can get in your car and talk to God as you're driving. But first, we tell God what's wrong. Learn to be honest with God about all the things, about your anger, your frustration, your disappointment. Spoiler alert, he already knows. You don't need fancy words to come to God. You don't need nice uh, package words to come. Just tell him all the things. And then ask him. Ask him for what you need. We're going to talk about the character of God. But be courageous enough to say, God, I need you to show up in my life in this way. And then trust him. Reaffirm your trust that even though it may not feel like it, God is faithful. And that what you've asked for and that what you've told him, he is going to honor and show up in. When we lament, we tell God what's wrong. We ask God for what we need. And then we trust God that he is going to show up for his people. If you want an example in scripture, one of my favorite psalms of lament is Psalm 13. It's six verses, and it moves through those three steps to show us that before we can make space to move forward, we have to process our pain. And for the believer, that begins with lament. So during my talk today, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And the first question I have for you is, what do you need to lament? What has happened in the past few years, past few months, past week? that is weighing on you heavy, and how do you need to process that? Not through trying to reach for comfort or control or approval or power, but reaching for the Lord. That our first step in dealing with our disappointment is going to God. Verse three. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. As you read through these three verses, you will see the word will, W-I-L-L, repeated several times. Here's a fun Bible study tip. If you see something repeated, it's probably important. So that you would pay attention to that. And what you see are these promises that God is making. In these nine verses, God is not telling Joshua anything new. That if you would have read before that you will see that he's just repeating promises and reaffirming truth that he has given to Joshua and to Joshua's forefathers. And what we see are promises about presence, provision, and purpose. That God is promising that he is going to be with Joshua. That he is promising that he is going to provide for Joshua. And he's promising that Joshua's purpose that God has divinely given him will be successful all because Joshua goes with God. What we see is that after lament, we need to remember the character of God. And we need to remember because it is so easy for us to forget. 
Lots of people uh, during my journey of writing the book and releasing Embrace Your Life, they asked me, Elizabeth, like, why did you write it? Like, what prompted you to want to share these words on this page? And I tell people it's because I was going through a season of significant disappointment. You all have talked about disappointment with God and disappointment with yourself and disappointment with other people. And I was going through a season where all of that had compounded for me. Uh, that life was just not what I wanted it to be. I was having significant health issues that had me hospitalized in a season right before COVID started, and it wasn't because of COVID, but being in the hospital by yourself is not fun. And then I am, I live by myself, and so during COVID, I was isolated. And the loneliness and isolation weighed heavy on me. God, where are you in this moment? Like, I need you in this moment. Are you going to show up? It feels like you're not going to show up because it feels like you're not here. And then I think about relationships that I had had, friendships that hadn't uh, come to the end I thought they would. I don't know about you, but people who just don't show up for you the way you thought they would, they don't say, they don't do what they say they were going to do in some really heavy and hard ways. So I was dealing with disappointment of, man, the people in my life are not doing what I would want for them to do. Man, I'm here in my apartment by myself, that my health is not in the greatest. Lord, where are you? It feels like you have abandoned me. That I wrote Embrace Your Life because I know what it's like to forget that God is who he says he is. But I also wrote it because I know what the other side looks like. And I know that even though it might feel like God is not present, that God is not doing something. I remember the words of my friend, Mason King, and he says, your feelings are real, but they're not always reliable. That what disappointment and despair are powerful storytellers, and they will tell you that it'll never be end, that it's not gonna get any better, that it won't change, but that's not true. And how do we know that? because we serve a God. I think about the song that we just heard, who tells the wasteland that it will bloom again. There are deserts that your streams can get to. There is no place that our God can't reach, no situation that he can't turn around. And remembering the character of God helps us do that. So there's two lies that I wanna help us combat, that we lament and then we remember the character of God. One, that God isn't trustworthy. It's a lie that he's withholding good things from us, that he can't change our situation. And the truth we need to hold on to is that God is sovereign, that he is all-powerful, and he knows what's best. And where do we see this? In the first verse of your Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we read with the creation narrative about how our world came to be is that God is all-powerful and in control of all things. I love art, I love music, I love creative, um, creative things, but as much music I've listened to and art that I have uh, created or seen someone else create, I've never seen someone create something out of nothing. The billions of scars in our sky, that the, the billions of galaxies, the things that scientists discover, that they're always surprised that they discover something new, like they're going to hit the side of the universe and just like slide down and say, okay, that's it. That's all there is. There's nothing new. 
that our God's creation is inexhaustible and that God loves you and shows up for you through Jesus. That when you think that, man, God's not trustworthy, he can't change my situation, that we would remember that he is all-powerful and he knows what's best. If he can control the world around us, then he can show up in our lives. But sometimes we can confuse the middle of our story for the end of our story. Just because it isn't clear to us doesn't mean it isn't clear to God. He's got everything under control. Lie number one is God isn't trustworthy. Lie number two is God has abandoned me. He won't come through. He's not going to answer our prayers. He's not going to keep his promise. But what our Bible tells us is that God is faithful. He's faithful because from before you were a thought, before I was a thought, before your mama was a thought, or your mama's mama was a thought, God set forth a plan to save us. That is sin that separates us from God. And he stepped in to fix our mess. And if he's faithful to ensure our eternal destiny, I think he can show up for the smaller things in our lives. And so what has God promised us that we can hold on to? He's promised that he's going to provide for our physical needs. I think about Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think about rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The scripture tells us that through Jesus, we get grace, we get wisdom, we get peace, we get strength, we get hope. I think about Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That our God is sovereign, which means he's all-powerful, and our God is faithful. How would you show up in the world differently? In your home, on the job, with your friends, in the community? Like, how would you show up in that situation, that prayer request you've placed before God, you keep on praying for it, and you're like, God, are you going to answer this? How would you show up if you really believed he was all-powerful? How would you show up if you really believed that he was faithful? If you really believed that he was going to come through, and because he is powerful, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have power too, if we showed up like we were conquerors and overcomers. There was no situation that was too much for us, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. How would your community be different? if Fox River showed up like that. I think that's what Joshua shows us. As God reminds Joshua of all the promises of who he is. But God also reminds Joshua of the promises of his purpose. At this point in time, Israel numbered about two million people. And it was Joshua's responsibility to get them across the Jordan River. In my opinion, that's a logistical nightmare trying to move that many people. I don't know if you've ever tried to get people to do anything, but no matter how small the group, people just don't want to do stuff. That's not y'all. That's other folks. But what Joshua needed to do was to fulfill the purpose that God had given him, that he had uniquely placed him next to Moses for 40 years. He had trained him for this moment. 
And if Joshua could not move forward in his disappointment, the people would not be able to do what they needed to do. A disappointment will have us believe lies about God, but it will have us also focus on ourselves. It will have us forget that we are people with a purpose, that you are not unintentionally placed. The people you work with, the community you're a part of, the kids you have, the spouse you had, the life you live is not unintentional, and that God has given that to you for mission and purpose. But when we are stuck in our disappointment, we won't see any of that. And we will just see ourselves. And we will forget the ministry that God has called us to do. That he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives us the ministry of sharing the gospel and telling people the good news about Jesus and the restored life that we have with him. But the news is not going to go forth. If we are so focused on what we are going through and not believing that God is going to show up. What we see is not only do we need to lament, not only do we need to remember God's character, but we need to remember that God has created us for good works. I think about Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There is only one you. Billions of people have walked this earth and God has not made a duplicate. Your personality, your story, your gifts, your talents, all of these, God has given to you to steward. How are you using them in the midst of your disappointment? Some of the most powerful testimonies are people whose situation is not resolved, but they are moving forward in faith saying, I'm believing God with my feet that he's going to work it out for me. And that you can encourage someone else who is trying to move forward in their disappointment. If there are people who need us to show up for them, disappointment would have us not do that. But moving forward in our disappointment, we remember our purpose. We are able to live out the mission that God has given to us. And so we lament, we remember, and lastly, we live. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I remember my first ministry job. I had a whole career in business before the Lord brought me into ministry. And I was serving a community of people that I was considerably younger than. Um, and I remember sitting in the car trying to give myself a pep talk. Like, Elizabeth, you got to go in there. Elizabeth, you got to do this. And I remember telling myself, and this fear, this anxiety, Elizabeth, it might not fully go away. But you got to learn to do it afraid. you do not got to learn to do it, even if there's an obstacle in front of you. And so I got out of my car, walked in, and the Lord blessed in immense ways. But I remember distinctly that moment of like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can move forward. And Lord saying, you can, and you will. But we see God tell Joshua in verse 9, 
is to be strong and courageous. It's this idea of having a sheer determination to conquer that which God has set before him. And what Joshua has, if you would read through the rest of the book, you will see that he does a lot of fighting. His life doesn't necessarily get easier. But what God tells him is, I need you to do it anyway. That we would live courageously. That we would see the things that are in front of us, things that seem to be insurmountable, and we realize, I can and will do this I can move forward in the midst of fear and anxiety and disappointment and all the things that would weigh us down. I can move forward. And why? Well, God tells us at the very end, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. It reminds me of words that Jesus spoke to his disciples Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. That we live courageously. We live boldly. Why? because our God and Savior goes with us. The seasons of disappointment can weigh heavy on us. And we can either choose to press through and move forward, or we can get stuck. We're playing the tape of what hasn't happened, how we're not who we wanted to be, how someone has disappointed us, withholding forgiveness, living in shame, living in anger towards God, or We can be strong and courageous, moving forward in all that God has for us. And so as we close, my question for you is, what does it look like for you to move forward in your disappointment? And again, things that you've placed before the Lord, the things that are weighing on you, what does it look like for you, the power of the Holy Spirit, to move forward in your disappointment? to lament, to remember, and to live courageously. But for some of you, you might be saying, Elizabeth, you've talked a lot about this this Jesus and the hope and the strength and the courage I'm able to have through him, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And for those of you, and I want to encourage you to take that first step today to place your faith in Jesus. We are created to live in community with God. Sin gets in the way of that, but Jesus provides salvation for our sins. And all we have to do is confess, repent, and believe. And so I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads. And if this is something that you are wanting, a step you want to take, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.